Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact information out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read your comments out on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. That's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, which is firearmscafe.com, so please go there and click on these buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. They are all free. If you would like to support the show financially, at the website there is an Amazon search box. If you use it, Amazon will give me a finder's fee on any products that you buy at no additional cost to you. I also have a donate button through PayPal. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 17th of May 2015. Let's go ahead and jump right in with this show. On the last show, I talked about Appleseed, my AR-15 build, and I'd also talked about that I had thought that I was had made a decision of maybe carrying the ball ammo in the 380 just because it gives you the better penetration. And then I got some feedback from some people, and I also had some feedback that I had meant to put on the last show that I had forgotten about. And this was from a guy named Josh. So I'll go ahead and talk about that here. Uh, I'll read his feedback out here in a second. Um, I also got some uh, uh, feedback from Chaz a little bit, and he was saying, no, just go ahead and stick with the, uh, with the hollow point stuff. And then I actually got to talk to him a little bit and uh, not for as long as I would have liked, but I talked to him for a little bit about, uh, hollow point ammunition and he gave me a couple of uh, pointers that I hadn't really that I don't think I was giving enough consideration to so anyway we'll talk about that here in a second let's go ahead and jump in with Josh's uh, email and he writes in Tony obviously do what you're comfortable with and I still say carry the small nine millimeter car but with that said I would seriously consider looking at any of the types of ammo that use the barn solid copper bullet you get plenty of penetration and the great expansion you expect from defensive ammo. With the advantages in modern ammo, I think the new generation of 380 is at least on par with the older generation of 9mm. The argument for ball in this caliber seems to be a bit outdated. I hear it from older cops that carried a 380 for backup. Of the near 3-inch car barrel, you should get penetration that meets FBI standards. Corbon DPX is the one I carried when I owned a 380. I'm not sure about Arizona, but 380 is pretty expensive everywhere I've been recently. If you truly think that's the way you want to go, maybe take a look at the Barnes options. And that's cheers from Josh. Josh also sent in a link uh, to a guy on YouTube who does a lot of ballistics gel testing. And one of the rounds that he tested was from a company called, I think it's Lehigh, L-E-H-I-G-H. I think that's how it's pronounced. And it is the XP Extreme Penetrator, something like that. Anyway, the, the shape of the bullet, so the actual projectile, 
it, it's, I, I guess you'd maybe call it like fluted in design. What it looks like is if you took a, uh, a big Phillips screwdriver and ground the top of it flat. So you've got sort of those flutes on the side. So it forms, uh, you know, kind of, so that's what it kind of looks like to me. It forms kind of like a, a, a cross section or a plus sign, you know, if you were looking at the bullet head on. So anyway, the design of this bullet is one where supposedly as it goes through the body, it, the, the design of it pushes uh, flesh and stuff away, and so it makes a larger wound channel, which with the ball, you're not going to get a very large wound channel, but you'd get more penetration. With this company, I don't know of any police departments or any um, agencies that are using that. I don't know. I don't heard about the military using or anything like that. So I, I don't know that I would necessarily feel comfortable using that for self-defense ammo. Now, kind of getting back to um, what Chaz and I had talked about, and then uh, I think even Travis uh, had sent me some stuff and Travis is on uh, the gun dudes. And also he's over at road gunner too with him when he's on there. And by the way, I wanted to give a shout out to Travis. Um, a few shows back, he had done it. He filled in for uh, did an episode of the road gunner and did an excellent job. So uh, go back and look that episode up and uh, give that a listen. Uh, very good show. Anyway, they sent me some stuff basically that Masad Ayub had written about, you know, hollow point versus ball. And, uh, in talking with, with Chaz, one of the, one of the points that he had made, he said, well, most modern defensive ammo, you just, you want to stick with the hollow point stuff. And most modern defensive ammo is loaded to a little bit higher pressure. So you're going to get maybe a little bit more oomph than you would just out of regular ball ammo. Um, also you can still get over penetration with that and you're better off having over, you know, maybe a little bit less penetration than, than over penetration. Uh, also one of the things we had talked about, which I, I knew, but really I don't know why I wasn't thinking about this as well, but this is why it's good all uh, a lot of times to, to kind of keep an open mind and, and put stuff out there and say, well, Hey, what's your guys' opinion on this? And, and what do you have it based on? So anyway, one of the things he was saying too, is a lot of times in these one stop, one stop shot things it's not necessarily that the person is killed immediately it's that that one shot when it hits them it hasn't incapacitated them but it's a thing of they break off because it's a psychological thing like they're like oh i'm shot i'm done and then they're out they they take off so what i think i have the 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 final decision for me and i think the jury is now out on this stuff is that i'm going to stick with just a good high quality um self defense ammo and a hollow point something like maybe uh, like josh was saying maybe the uh, the corbon uh anything like um oh what is it like double tap um What's the one that Chaz had said? Oh, I can't remember. I think it was Spear Gold Dot, I think is what he had talked about. Uh, maybe I have that confused, but that is what I think I will uh, go. Of course, I have to go now and run some tests with that, buy some boxes of it. Now, Josh had mentioned in his email that the 380 was kind of hard to find and it was a little bit expensive. And, you know, it's, it's just sort of kind of the way it is out here. It's real hit and miss. It's still the same kind of a little bit other subject is still the same with 22 
sometimes I can find it. Sometimes I can't. Walmart is, uh, I used to be able to, I would go there uh, every couple of days um, and, and check. And sometimes I'd have pretty good luck and sometimes I wouldn't. Uh, sometimes Dick's Sporting Goods, there's there's one that's relatively close where if I'm kind of over that, that way, I'll pop in there. And I actually found uh, some of the ammo that I used for the apple seed, which was uh, their CCI tactical thing. But I, it was, I don't know, I got like 300 rounds of that. And I think I've maybe got about 50 rounds of that stuff left. So um, anyway, and it ran, you know, it ran great in the, uh, in the Ruger 1022. I had no problems with it. And it was a good ammo, so um, I think that's about it for the 380. So the jury is out on that stuff um, for me. I think I've. I, I'm just going to stick with again what I should have been sticking with all along. There is the uh, is just sticking with the hollow point stuff and, and a good and uh, good defensive ammo that's designed for that. All right, we do have another bit of feedback, and this is regarding. An AR-15 build. Now, of course, I am no expert by far. Uh, and I'll go ahead and read out the email. And this is from Dave. And Dave is from Texas. And he uh, says, um, Tony, I am curious if during your build, you use the recommended headspace gauges to ensure that your barrel chamber and bolt face were within the appropriate specifications. I ask because I am in the middle of my first AR pistol build and there are conflicting opinions out there. Every gunsmith with whom I have spoken states that this test is important for safety. I am struggling with the cost effectiveness of paying $300 for the gauges versus paying a local gunsmith to conduct this test. The other side of the argument is that the vast majority of quality AR parts manufacturers are well within tolerances and that this test is overkill. Thanks for the great show. And that is signed Dave. And he is again from Texas. So, you know, Dave, what I ended up doing was I kind of did like the, the hillbilly redneck thing. <laughs> I sort of made a dummy round of ammunition. Um, and I followed some videos that were on YouTube. One of them that was, was from a uh, uh, gunsmith, a guy from, I think it's like little crow gunsmith or something like that. Anyway, he showed a way where you could do it to where if you haven't assembled everything already, there's a, there, and I'll, I'll try and link to those videos and I'll try and put a video over on, um, on, uh, on the Facebook page and as well as on firearmscafe.com for this episode. Oh, also speaking of that, I uh, speaking of video links. I will try and find the video of that Lehigh ammunition. There's a guy that has a channel. He does a lot of the gel testing and his channel is called shooting the bull 410. And I'll, I'll link, I'll, link to that video as well. And that way you guys can at least see what, what I'm talking about. Normally the gauges, the go gauges and the no gauges are around like 30, $40 a piece. Uh, and you can usually pick up a set for around, you know, 60 to 70 bucks right now though. They're just, I can't find them out there. I don't see, I, I can find tons of go gauges for, uh, for the AR 15 for the, uh, for the two, two, three build but I can't really find any of the no-go gauges. What I had done, uh, I, I, I did what some of the video showed. I haven't had any problems with mine. It, it seems to do just fine. 
Um, there are, are differences of opinion. Some people say it's really not that big a deal because everything now with modern machining and modern manufacturing, if you're going with, again, with kind of like you said, with decent parts, then everything is going to be within it, within those specifications. The problem you can run into is that when you're checking the, the chamber space, basically what you're doing is you're measuring the length of the chamber um, of that rifle. And that way it, what it does is it, it's, it's um, making sure that you're, you've got, uh, the chamber that can appropriately house the round and probably appropriately fire it off for kind of a lack of a going into a, a real long drawn out thing. Uh, uh, there are some people out there who even say that, look, if you buy a used gun, uh, or if you're buying a new uh, bolt from BCM or something, and you're going to put that into your, your rifle that you should, you should definitely check the headspace on that. Um, just because, you know, your old bolt and, and, uh, and barrel were, were seated up doesn't mean maybe that the new barrel that you bought or the new bolt carrier or bolt that you bought is, is going to, you know, be up to spec. Most people that I know of when, if they're buying like a new bolt carrier group, uh, so they're getting a new bolt, I don't think they do the actual, um, they don't check the headspace on that. At least most people that I know of don't. So I don't know. Again, it's going to have to be something, you know, that you feel comfortable with. Um, I did what was comfortable for me. That doesn't mean that you should do that. I don't, I, I don't know. You didn't really say, I don't know how much a gunsmith would charge you to do it. If it's, if it's a thing where you're planning on building several more, uh, either the rifles or, or pistols in the future, you may want to invest in it. It may be something that just gives you that peace of mind. Um, so, uh, but like I said, I'll link to those videos and, and you can kind of go from there. Um, if I were going to give you the, the bottom line recommendation would be to either buy the gauges. If you can't get the gauges, go to a gunsmith and have them do that. As long as they're not going to charge you, you know, like 300 bucks or something to do it that way. Um, if the cost of it is, uh, very, somewhat similar to what the cost of you buying the gauges would be, you know, you can do it that way. So also, I guess in that, if, if you took it in there they could look at, if you had any questions about anything, they could also kind of, you know, give you a little bit of information that way. So, uh, most gunsmiths are, of course, gun guys, and most of them are, are uh, you know, they need to be paid and compensated for their time, obviously, but most of them will say, oh, this is what you need to look for, and, and most of them are pretty nice guys. So anyway, I've, you know, in fact, I've only met one gunsmith that was kind of a jerk. Uh, most of the others were were really pretty decent. So uh, let's see. I think that's it for the feedback. And... I wanted to talk about, oh, the stuff that happened. It's been a while now, and it's been a while since she's made this statement, but it kind of speaks to a bigger thing that I see a lot. And this goes back to the mayor of Baltimore during the riots. Uh, 
somebody was saying that, or a lot of people were saying they were, you know, throwing stuff on Facebook and even the, the news media was saying that, Oh, this is what this person said. Is that what they were saying that she said was that she was providing a safe place for people who wanted to destroy things. And of course, you know, there was this big firestorm and all this other stuff, but 99% of the people never went past the headline. And they didn't go and look at the context. They didn't look at and and go and listen to what her actual speech and what she actually said. And part of the part of the reason that that seems to I think happen a lot is because a lot of times the headline sort of tells you what you want to hear, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Um, it kind of, it verifies your version or what you, of the story or, or it's what you want the version of the story to be. Um, And people accept those headlines again because it's 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 what they want to hear. It it verifies a belief system. Maybe that's a better way to say it. But unfortunately, a lot of times people they just they're not doing their due diligence. And I think you you really do yourself a disservice. And I don't necessarily mean you, the listeners of the show. Most people here don't necessarily do that but in general a lot of times people the headline fits in with their belief system or their narrative that they want to have and then they they feel justified they feel right but if you went back and you actually listened to her speech which i did what she was saying was is that we're trying to provide a safe place for people who want to protest we're trying to give them a safe place to do that now, the way that she spoke is, you could tell that in her mind she was sort of she, she sort of maybe skipped a step that she should have said, but if if you watch the thing, you basically see what what her intent was, and what her intent was is she kind of makes like sort of that next logical thought jump, but it comes out of her mouth, and she should have been a little bit more specific, and what she says is, and so. You know, we also provide a place for people who want to destroy, a safe place for people who want to destroy things that they can do that. But what she really meant was to say that if you've got a place that's set aside where people can come and protest and we can keep them safe, that the people who want to destroy stuff, they can come to those that place just as easily as the people who don't, who want to peacefully protest, who want to have their voices heard, and they can they can start destroying stuff. They can start riots. They can rile up the crowd. They can instigate things. They can do, you know, you know, all this other stuff. And it's not necessarily that we're providing them this place to do that. It's just one of these, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Un, unintended consequences of, of doing that. And that's what she meant. But again, I, I, I thought it spoke to a much bigger problem of how people want to, uh, jump, jump to conclusions and I see that a lot in the overall uh, in the gun community a lot you know I, I, 
And again, it goes back to things that we've talked about before, which is use logic, use reason, try not to be too emotional with stuff. And like, I, I fall down those rabbit holes too myself, but I, I try to look at things and try to say, okay, well, what's really going on here? Is there maybe a little bit more to this that, that I'm, uh, that I'm seeing and also in, in a lot of times in some of these articles that come up where it says, you know, uh, you know, sheriff says he's going to round everybody up who has guns. Well, that's, you know, when, once you go and you look, you'll see, oh, maybe that was only from one source or you, you can't find any of the actual speech or you actually look at the speech. And again, like in this case, you're like, oh, well, that stuff was taken out of context. What he was really saying was A, B, and C, and what they were saying that he, you know, meant was something totally different. So, again, uh, just be careful with that stuff. Kind of vet everything. Don't be so quick to to jump to conclusions, especially if it kind of fits your your narrative. You know, it's sort of the same with politics. It's almost like that divide and conquer thing, and it's, it's the whole you know, my blue team versus your red team, you know, versus, you know, this other thing. So anyway, I don't want to go too far down on the rabbit hole on that. Um, one thing I was thinking about the other day and I saw, and it was a news report and it was about this, uh, kind of this old guy that they had caught or something after him being, you know, on the run for years and years. And again, it kind of goes into that, you know, assumption thing. And they talked about, you know, to look at this guy, he just looks like kind of like this kindly little old man. Well, it turned out, you know, this guy was like a brutal criminal and a, a vicious, violent guy. And he had just been on the run for a lot of years and uh, eventually slipped up and, you know, he got caught. But, you know, we, we talk about awareness and we talk about not following, not falling into complacency. Uh, but just because you see somebody who's older or somebody who maybe you think looks weaker than you doesn't mean that they couldn't do you harm. Doesn't mean that that person shouldn't be, I don't want to say seen as a threat because that's not what that I, that I mean. But I mean that that, what I should say is that that person shouldn't automatically just be discounted from your aware from from your like sphere of awareness of people that you think oh, okay I got to look out for this guy I got to look out for that guy um, but I don't have to look out for this guy because he's just some little old guy in his 70s and he's not going to do anything to hurt me well you, again you don't know anything about that person's background or you might say oh that's just some 115 pound little female and she can't do anything to me. Well, you know, she may be able to shoot you dead or stab you in the guts or, or, you know, she may be a trained fighter, you know, so she may be able to damage you significantly. So anyway, I think that's going to, it's going to be a little bit shorter show today. I know, uh, but I did want to go ahead and get something out there and I wanted to do this, some of the feedback and kind of also give you my thoughts on, uh, on the 380 stuff and kind of let you know where I stand on that. So, um, I think that's going to do it for today. Let me give you some recommendations on, uh, who you should be listening to other shows. Of course, there's Chaz over at the road gunner. There's Ken and Brian at modern rifleman radio. There is, this isn't gun related, but, um, 
Well, let me do, let me stick with some of the gun related stuff and then I'll come back to this. So there's, you know, Arm Squirrels Project. There's uh, Toby and his wife, Melissa, that are doing the Arm Couples. Uh, I'm just trying to think of stuff off the top of my head. Oh, there's, of course, you know, like Downrange Radio and, um, oh, uh, what is it? I'm seeing it in my head, Doc's Podcast, and I can't think of it now. It's escaping me. Um, why is that escaping me? But anyway, you guys all know what, what that is. The, isn't that weird? I can't think of it. And now I'm kind of stuck on that loop where I'm like, okay, I need to I need to figure out what it is, and now I can't think of it. Um, but anyway, you guys all know Doc Show, so go over there, give that a listen. And um, it's always entertaining. Uh, you get a lot of knowledge over there. Um, the Gun Nation, that's it. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. So go listen to the Gun Nation with Doc and the boys over there. So, um, oh, I said I was going to tell you about some other shows that uh, that aren't kind of gun related, but that I that I think are pretty good. Uh, there's an author, Scott Sigler. If you like kind of science fiction and horror and type of stuff like that, you can um, go over on iTunes and you just Google him, and you can find a bunch of his stuff. He's got tons of stuff out there. There's another podcast that I've been listening to that is, um, it's mostly just stories, but it's called the No Sleep Podcast. And what they do is they have like a big forum and lots of authors submit stuff and then they they have um, voice actors that will read the stuff out. So a lot of those are really good. You can find those on uh, Stitcher. You can find them over, I think they're, I'm pretty sure they're on iTunes as well. Um, if you're a little bit more libertarian minded, there is a show called the libertarian, uh, libertarian solution. Uh, you can find that on iTunes. You can also, um, if you guys know who Penn is from Penn and Teller, Penn Gillette has a thing called Penn Sunday school where they, a lot of times they talk. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of times. A lot of his things come from a sort of libertarian philosophy there's a lot of stuff that he says that I don't agree with, a lot of stuff that he says that I do. Uh, but it's always interesting to hear somebody else's um, somebody else's point of view, who's, who's maybe a little bit different than your own. So, All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>